0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host Chibe Core, and on this episode, we'll be talking about Ballmasters and the case for American cartoons on Toonami. Then after that, we'll get into PS5 versus Xbox Series X, Part Two. And then we'll get into Studio Ghibli's first CG movie. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Hey guys, so before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say that I've moved into a different space. And so that's the reason that we haven't had episodes for a couple of weeks, and so now you know. Um, I posted information about that on social media, so if you guys haven't been following us on social media, now would be a good time to start. And yeah, that's it. Links will be in the show notes for that, so let's get into... Ballmasters, and The Case for American Cartoons on Toonami. So, for those of you who don't know, Toonami has been airing the latest season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind, in the English-dubbed format, and just recently... Or A couple of weeks ago, they ran out of dubbed episodes to air because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has affected Viz Media, the licensor for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's affected their ability to produce episodes in a timely manner. So, with nothing to air in JoJo's Bizarre Adventures place, they decided to go with Ballmasters. And Ballmasters, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like an anime homage series made by Christy Caracas, the creator of Super Jail. There are a lot of anime references in that show and it's a really uh, it's a really fun show to watch so I encourage you guys to watch it if you haven't already but yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of mixed reactions to Ball Masters quickly replacing Jojo's Bizarre Adventure on Toonami, and you know there were people who didn't um, really want Ball Masters, and they kind of wrote it off because it's it's an American cartoon and it's not an anime. But on the other hand, there were people who really, or people who have seen it, because it normally airs on Adult Swim proper, you know, outside of Toonami. Those people, myself included, have welcomed the show to Toonami, and I just wanted to talk about the, the recent controversy and why I don't agree with the naysayers for Ballmasters and think they should give it a chance. And so... So for ballmasters, all right, or for American cartoons on Toonami, there have been, or sure, there haven't been nearly as many American cartoons that have aired on Toonami as anime. That was true for the Cartoon Network version that lasted from 1997 to 2008. And that's still true to the Adult Swim tsunami that has been going on since 2012 and still goes on to this day. And even though there, American cartoons have been, you know, underrepresented... On Toonami. They still deserve a place on Toonami. And so, and there have been a few, there have been a few American cartoons that have aired on Adult Swim's Toonami. So I'm going to go and list all of them, if you don't mind. And yeah, then we'll get into why American animation deserves a place on Toonami. So, let me start by listing off the series that the American series that have aired on Toonami or on Adult Swim. So, we had Symbionic Titan in 2012, and then we also had the 2011 reboot of Thundercats that also aired in 2012. And then Star Wars The Clone Wars, the one that just recently ended on Disney Plus. That one aired on Toonami in rerun form in 2013. And then Samurai Jack Seasons 1 through 4 aired in 2014, as well as Beware the Batman. And fun fact for Beware the Batman, Beware the Batman aired more than half of its episodes as premieres on Toonami because Cartoon Network basically gave it the shaft and they gave it the boot. They, um, they didn't want anything to do with it, so Toonami picked it up and aired the entire series before losing the rights to it just or shortly after. And then we wouldn't, or after Beware the Batman, we wouldn't get another American cartoon until Samurai Jack season five premiered in 2017. And then after that, we have Genlock in 2019, which was a corporate synergy move with Rooster Teeth. And now we have Ballmasters here in 2020. So American cartoons have definitely shown up on Toonami. And so I don't understand why people on the internet just sort of are just or Toonami fans, and I use quotes around fans, have been so opposed to um American cartoons airing on Toonami, and this has gone on pretty much almost for every single American cartoon that has aired on Toonami thus far and I get it Like people remember Toonami for the anime that they've shown if you ask a random person Who knows what Toonami is, you know, what series they've aired, there's a pretty good chance that most, if not all, of the series that they would mention are anime. So I get it. However, um, we should also recognize that American animation, you know, has its benefits and deserves a place on Toonami. And the only reason why there aren't any american cartoons on toonami is because there aren't any being made for toonami at least or there aren't any that have recently finished that have just or that are available to toonami and so if there were i feel like toonami would air them but there are not any american cartoons for toonami to air at least not yet they do have some in the pipeline we know that scavengers is coming down the pipeline for toonami and then we may get some other news about some other american animated series that are coming to toonami Hopefully some of them will be based on Warner Brothers properties because um, Warner Brothers owns Adult Swim and Cartoon Network and Boomerang. And so I'm hoping that Warner Brothers Animation can, you know, bring some of their intellectual properties over to Toonami in order to bolster Toonami's lineup. Because that would definitely help Warner Brothers, it would help Adult Swim, it would help Warner Media. And so, yeah, I just um, also want to state the importance of American animation on Toonami. And so, American cartoons offer some benefits that anime just doesn't. For example, American cartoons will offer more diversity for Toonami's lineup. You know, after seeing, you know, a lot of Shonen anime on Toonami, a lot of them have the same tropes and the same mannerisms and the same kinds of storytelling put into them and so you know for some viewers you know after a while they could you know easily get tired of that and that's understandable and american cartoons are for the most part just don't suffer that same fate Americans tell stories differently than Japanese people do. And I think that that's a strength that Toonami can definitely lean into and provide an experience that blends both American and Japanese animation into one block. And they've done that very successfully ever since 1997. So... And then also, you know, it also, or American cartoons can also provide more rerun-worthy content for Toonami, and, you know, in case that they ever wanted to, you know, throw something in when they don't have a replacement for a show, um, they could just throw an American cartoon in there, like we saw with... Samurai Jack a few times we're seeing now with Ballmasters and it's and it's great and I wish we could see more um, of that I wish that Primal could air on Toonami but because of its creator Gendi Tartakovsky not wanting Toonami to air it at least for right now as of the time of this recording Or Genndy Wants it to be Or Genndy wants Primal to be its own Thing so I don't think we'll see it On Toonami for a while At least not until The second half of the series Has aired Later this year so We'll have to just wait and see On that but yeah I do think that American cartoons definitely deserve their place on Toonami because there have been a lot of them that have aired on Toonami, and it provides more diversity within the lineup, and um, we get to see different types of storytelling, and we get to see less of the same anime tropes that you know permeate every single, like, shonen anime that Toonami, you know, is airing, because there have been a lot of shonen anime that Toonami's aired in recent years, but yeah, and if you don't agree with that, then I encourage you to watch any of the shows that I listed that Toonami has aired, and who knows, maybe you can... Or maybe you'll... Maybe you find something that you like. Maybe, maybe you find something that, you know, piques your interest. And... And maybe it encourages you to check out other American animated series like We... Or, like, One is currently... Air, or is currently being talked about Right now, or ab- er, on social media, and that's Avatar: The Last Airbender, and so I think that American cartoons definitely deserve more respect, especially when it comes to Toonami, because they've definitely given the respect to American cartoons that that they deserve, and yeah, if. You don't agree with that, then, then it's, or then I just have a question to ask you: Are you really a Toonami fan, or are you an anime fan who just so happens to watch television? I will leave you to ponder that, but that is it for this topic, and. Yeah, hit me up on social media uh, with your thoughts about Ballmasters and what you think Toonami should air. And let me know what you think of American cartoons on Toonami. Do, do you agree with what I've said? Um, do you disagree? Why? Um, I'll have links to our social media in the show notes for you to or for us to have a discussion because I would like to discuss this topic uh, further with you guys. But yeah, that's it. Up next, we'll be talking about PS5 versus Xbox Series X Part 2. And then after that, we'll get into Studio Ghibli's first CG movie. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, it doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there's creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services so you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you, so that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, that's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, and then, last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's ancho r.fm to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. Welcome back. And now it's time to talk about PS5 versus Xbox Series X. But before I do that, I would like to introduce our guest. He goes by Q, and he's a friend of mine who actually is a gamer and is a fellow technology enthusiast and he also streams from time to time and i'll have links to where he streams
1: in the show notes q welcome to the show thank you for having me it's an honor to be here sharing the space with you (laughs) thanks
0: so so let's just get into it let's talk ps5 versus xbox series x so there has been a lot of things that have happened ever since part one of the PS5 versus Xbox Series X um, series on this podcast. The last time I talked about it was in April, and that was when, and that was when Xbox had kind of done their, or they were being a lot more forthcoming about what the Series X would offer, and PS5, we don't, or we didn't know almost anything about it, other than maybe what the controller looked like, but that was it. And so a lot has happened since then. Xbox had their third-party gameplay event last month in May, and then there was the unreal engine 5 demo that showed a game running on a ps5 and then there was the ps5 reveal event from sony themselves and then there were a few features that xbox wanted to remind people of you know after the ps5 event so we'll get into those things so let's first let's talk about the Xbox third-party gameplay event from last month because that was something that caused a bit of controversy. And I would like to know um, what your thoughts on that gameplay event was for Xbox Series X. Yeah. If you watched it.
1: I think... uh... Watched that, but I followed up with the events afterwards, and hearing some of the people talk about the the gameplay aspect of it, I, I was really impressed by like the technology that it was moving forward, like Xbox and Microsoft moving forward, and it really gave PlayStation uh, a pushback on. You know, people were going for like PlayStation; they're going to get the Sony products, and after the gameplay event kind of put onto that table that you know xbox is actually in the field too
0: right yeah and and that's something that xbox is really trying to make up for because they lost a lot of ground to sony in this generation with the xbox one and really have like a whole lot of compelling exclusives and I feel like, well, getting the third party support, but also getting you know, some exclusives, which will most likely be revealed in the July event for Xbox, yeah. that is going to really see, or we're really gonna see what Xbox has to bring to the table. Because now they don't really have any excuse or simply because of the number of studios that they've acquired within the past few years. And, you know, with Xbox, like, in the current generation, for most of the Xbox's life cycle, it didn't, or Microsoft didn't really have that many studios under its belt. And so they, or at the past few years of... E3 presentations and, and things like that. They've been consistently announcing new acquisitions for studios. And so, and they've been playing the long game, trying to gear up for, well, essentially the Xbox Series X. So, I know there was some controversy saying like there were that there wasn't a lot of gameplay shown at the May event, that it was just a lot of, like, cinematic, like, cut scenes and stuff. But there was, like...
1: Pre-rendered, like, a yeah, lot of the stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it was a... I think it was just, like, a, like a marketing and branding sort of snafu. Um, yeah. that they could have... Like they could have easily fixed by just calling it like a,
1: a concept or concept meeting or something like that.
0: Something like that, yeah. Just, just like a you know Xbox Series X like like cinematic demo or some something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But I was impressed with certain games that they showed off. I can't remember them off of the top of my head but i was pretty impressed with like you said the technology and what it allows the xbox series x to do especially like with the switch from hard drives to ssds like that's going to cut down on load times and it's going to allow for you know much richer detail within the games so, and like I said with, or like I told Michael um, in the last part of the PS5 versus Xbox Series X debate, like Microsoft has been more er, telling, or er, they've been showing more than they have been telling. And that was still true up until the PS5 reveal last week. And, and we'll get to that. But, but yeah, I think that that third party gameplay event was I, I think it showed like a lot of great content but you know it was just the branding that was
1: yeah that I feel like they' they could have aimed it better uh, if they aimed it as like a, a service advertisement like you know Microsoft service itself, or you know, upgrading upgrading the previous games. and Xbox One X, like the like the difference between Xbox One X to like the the newer Series X. If they if they talked about that, or if they, I think if they compared the previous games released on those platforms and they compared them with the graphic fidelity of the Series X, it might have drawn people in. Because I know with nowadays that how the technology moves, it, it's moving so fast that they can't make the step that it was from PS2 to PS3. Like that, that big step. it can't make that. It's more about just upgrading the space, making things faster, making things a little bit look better looking. Right. And yeah. And that's that's something like you know I'm I'm happy that they're doing it, but uh, what what are we gonna see? Are we gonna see another new console in about two years? Yeah, that's that's my main concern.
0: That's a good point. And one thing that Xbox has been talking about a lot was a smart delivery where if you have a game for um the xbox one and then you decide to get the xbox series x later on and there's an xbox series x version of that game then once you either stick the disc in or you load your xbox account onto the series x then you get the Series X version of that game. You don't just get like a upscaled version of the Xbox One version of the game. You get the dedicated Series X version of the game. And some games that'll support this include, like, of course, the Microsoft first-party titles. So most likely Halo Infinite when that comes out cyberpunk 2077 will support that and many others
1: crackdown um, three that's gonna right. be that's gonna be fun
0: right and so that's gonna be a pretty interesting feature to have i'm i'm sure that xbox is trying to think of ways to to differentiate themselves and learn from the experiences that they had launching with xbox one because if you remember that they had or they had had a lot of ridiculous rules like it had to be connected to the internet at all times and um, you couldn't like trade games with other people and it was just a whole mess it was Uh and xbox had to make up a lot of ground in like consumer goodwill yeah Um, and so i think that with the series x it'll be a a fresh start for xbox and they've learned their lesson um, from the xbox one
1: and that's what i think like when xbox one was released it was way ahead of its time they they were implementing things that were so futuristic that scared off some of the consumers that were you know pr- prospiring customers and now I-, I see like xbox play anywhere that technology is actually being implemented in series x and yeah. you know like it's going to be a uh, basically a, a cloud like having a cloud system in your house and you can play your games anywhere in the world and that's yeah. going to be something that's that sony i don't think can can come close to and that's
0: another thing that, yeah, Microsoft is um,
1: leaning into is
0: Project X Cloud, which, you know, like you said, allows people to play games on, or play their favorite Xbox games on like their phone or their tablet or their laptop, just anywhere that they have a good Wi-Fi connection. Don't support LTE yet. And there are other services or there are other cloud gaming services like Google Stadia and NVIDIA GeForce Now.
1: Now. Um,
0: right. But I don't think that, but I, I think that Microsoft, because they have a cloud business with Microsoft Azure mm-hmm. and are paired with their decades of gaming experience, I think that, you know, Microsoft is in a pretty unique position in order to in order to really take cloud gaming to the next level. I think it's going to be a competition between mainly Microsoft and probably Google, I yeah. would say, with Stadia. But a- as a user of Stadia, like I can say that I really enjoy cloud gaming. I like the fact that I'm able to play my games on my laptop or or my Chromebook or my uh, tablet or even my TV using a Chromecast Ultra. Like that's something that Microsoft is definitely leaning into, like they can, or you can, stream games from your personal xbox to your phone tablet or laptop and that's something that i don't think sony has yet i think they have like playstation remote play but i don't think that's like as widespread or as cross-platform as microsoft x cloud or google stadia Um,
1: yeah it's something that um, like PlayStation has uh, on their end is the exclusives. And exclusives, which is technology, I think it's going to be an interesting little uh, battlefield we're going to see in a few years. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. Unless Microsoft, you know, develops some compelling exclusives, which I think they have the potential to at their July event. You know, they're going to be like a lot of people. Just like staying within the uh, PlayStation camp and not, you know, using this generation to jump over to Xbox. But but I mean, I do think that Microsoft has the chance to bring some compelling exclusives at their July event. Because I think some of the studios that they have acquired have something planned for that. Like Obsidian has something uh, ninja theory has something and so i i think that they're going to they're going to have some compelling exclusives hopefully at the july event banjo Kazooie game please oh. <laughs> that's going to be really fun that would be awesome i would love for either rare or even another Microsoft-owned studio to just make another Banjo-Kazooie game. Like, that's something that I've been asking for for years, and it never came out on the Xbox One. All we got was, like, Rare Replay, which was good, but, like, you know, I would like to see another, like, a new entry into the banjo kazooie franchise because i feel like microsoft has neglected that uh franchise a lot yeah
1: i and think so, with the, in total a lot of like kids games like you know we don't see that a lot anymore like you're ready to eat for everybody like uh, most most of the games uh coming out today it's generally targeted towards the average gaming audience which is around like in their 30s so like we miss a lot. Like uh, me personally, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I played, you know, *Viva la Pinata*, *Banjo Kazooie*, like uh, *Minecraft*, like all those, all those games, kind of like brought, brought that uh, aspect of uh, video gaming that I don't see really much today. Because today people are, people want to play *Call of Duty*, people want to play uh, *GTA*, all those like high level games that are really really hard to get into and you have to spend a lot of time in and you can't really play those games just for fun like you used to in the old days
0: right that's something or that's that's an interesting point and i wonder if microsoft will announce any children's games because the only one that i can think of that you know is really targeted towards children that microsoft has released in recent years was super lucky's tale and that that game i mean i doubt that it did like you know really well for microsoft but i think that's something that they could definitely explore because microsoft or xbox hasn't really been known for its child-friendly games like it's been known as like the shooter console like if you yeah like a first person shooter like there's a pretty good chance that you'd get an xbox for that but yeah i would like to see more more platformers more rpgs and things like that on xbox and i would also like to see more Japanese games on Xbox because yeah. most of them have been on like PlayStation and and Switch and PC. So, and who knows, maybe Microsoft may even announce that they've acquired like a Japanese studio. It wouldn't shock me if they announced that.
1: I think they did. It was a game about a dragon. I forgot the name of it. But, well,
0: they were originally supposed to announce Scalebound for yeah. uh, Xbox One, but then they got that one got canceled, which sucked.
1: Because. Yeah, I was actually hyped for that.
0: I was hyped for that too, and yeah, it really sucks that that game got canceled. So maybe, maybe someone could revive it. Maybe someone at Microsoft can revive it. I don't know, but yeah let's but yeah I think that's that's basically like enough Xbox talk (laughs) let's get into the PS5 so PS5 had two events recently they had well one was the Unreal Engine 5 demo which wasn't really like a Playstation event it was like epic games showing a demo of a game running on a ps5 and i think that that got the initial hype up for the ps5 and you know it just showed off what the next gen consoles can do and so Like, because it was running on a PS5, I think that's the only reason that that it sparked up hype for the PS5 because, like, it was running on a PS5. If Epic didn't say that, you know, it would just be people hyped up for both consoles equally and not just uh, more in favor of the PlayStation 5. But then, last week, they had the reveal of the PS5. So, finally, we got a look at the console itself. We've known what the Xbox Series X looks like since December, but now we finally know what the PS5 will look like, and it'll come in two versions, so one with An optical drive and one without which the one without an optical drive is called the digital edition and that will probably be cheaper than the one with an optical drive in it so what are your thoughts on the PS5 reveal event and all that was announced there not just the um, console reveal
1: so I think PlayStation 5 is like they redid their kind of like aesthetic feel PlayStation 4 looked kind of like kind of simple you know in my opinion and that's what I think Xbox uh Xbox Series X went for just a simple look but in this case a uh, PlayStation 5 you can see like the different shapes and different angles and it is like it's a piece of art you know uh I wouldn't I wouldn't even buy it for just the games I would just buy just so it can, like, look nice on my table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the PS5 took more of a imaginative approach. And so I wonder if, like, because of the R&D that went into that design, I wonder if that's going to, you know, reflect in the price whenever that gets revealed for either console but i do think that i mean i do think that the ps5 looks it looks pretty nice um, it looks very futuristic and i just the only thing that i would like for the ps5 is for it to come in black Why? Like, yeah
1: <laughs> that's it that'll be that'll be nice
0: and I'm not sure if you've seen any of the mock-ups that have appeared on the internet recently, but there have been a few mock-ups of PS5s, or, like, potential PS5s. One that I really liked was the Miles Morales 5 which that, black and red, is calling my name. <laughs> like, <laughs> that just looks sick and i would love for sony to make that console yeah like that would be the ps5 i would get
1: and they also have uh the custom controllers that's like of the the miles Morales one like the red and black uh, red and blue controller
0: yeah that that would look amazing in my or that's totally my aesthetic uh-oh. Yeah, and so I would. So I would like for black Xbox or not Xbox, but because we're already getting the black Xbox. But yeah, I think that the controller for the PS5. Like now, I can see, or now that the actual console has been revealed, I can see like what they were trying to go for, and I think that all of the accessories for the ps5 they look pretty nice and they have this matching aesthetic to it that just looks pretty good now the i'm not sure that the ps5 would look particularly good horizontally i think it's more
1: it is a vertical machine it's
0: more of a vertical machine i but the digital edition would probably look better horizontally because it's symmetrical. But the one with the optical drive in it—I don't know—I feel like I would just have to use that vertically. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, I think they both—they both are like built for, for verticality because that's like the—that's the aesthetic shape of it, like the, like the V. It's gonna yeah. like. If I put it to the side, like, I'm I'm turning my, like, screen to the side right now, looking at sideways. Sure, it'll look good, but it's going to have, like, a bunch of air pockets. I'd
0: yeah. Yeah, it would. And I think that it would, or I hope that the design allows for better airflow, um, because right now the PS4, especially the Pro, sounds like a, a jet engine whenever it's turned on and it's like being pushed to its limits it's it just sounds or like you can hear that fan yeah <laughs> <I'll
1: crank laughs> almost it. Feel for it. yeah
0: <laughs> and so like i hope that sony fixes that with the ps5
1: yeah
0: but if you watched the ps5 reveal um, what were some of the games that you that you would like um to get for ps5
1: so the, like one of the actually top games or top mm-hmm. game i would say probably demon soul
0: demon souls yeah i I saw that. Now I haven't played the original Demon Souls, but man, oh man, that looks really good. Let's see.
1: Valhalla, that one's also good.
0: Yeah, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty. That one's pretty hyped up simply because it's the first Assassin's Creed on the new gen uh, consoles so that'll be a pretty or that'll be it'll be interesting to see the reaction to that game when it comes out one that I'm excited for of course is Spider-Man Miles Morales like that game just looks so good and I hope that it's an excellent follow up to the PS4 Spider-Man game because that was pretty good too and so and so i would just i want that
1: game <laughs> i
0: want that game so bad and what else did i like from the from the PS5 reveal The new Ratchet and Clank game, I think that was a pretty, like, trippy experience, like, going from world to world um, instantly, and that's something that you couldn't really do on previous generation of consoles, so that was pretty nice to see, and so yeah, I'm pretty excited for that too, let's see, I mean, I think that was... I think that was really it
1: yeah. I like uh PlayStation because when they their when they did their meeting, they brought out all the games that they're gonna have on on the day day of launch, and I think xbox or Microsoft they they should have had at least like some exclusive game just to build that hype just to build that that exclusivity factor of their console and I think you know PlayStation just won over that exclusivity factor.
0: Yeah, like at the at the PlayStation reveal event, like they announced that I think Miles Morales is going to be a launch exclusive for the PS5 and there are a couple of other games that are going to be coming to the PS5 at launch. But as far as like as far as Xbox goes, the only ones I can think of or Halo Infinite. And I don't even know if uh, Hellblade or Hellblade 2 is going to be coming at launch for the Series X. But yeah, that's about it. I hope that or we're most likely going to get more information at Xbox's July event. So we'll just have to wait and see for that. Maybe,
1: I, think, I, I just want to analyze here. I think what Xbox or Microsoft could be doing is they might let PlayStation win at launch, right? So, cause, because they coming in with exclusives and within the, when they're uh, saying that they're going to launch their first party games in 2022, that might be when they release their Xbox Series X, you know, pro mode and... They when they release the exclusives games with that, I think they're gonna, they might use that time to actually market and get back on the on the same level or even go beyond PlayStation because now they have the new console, they have the all the exclusives coming in, and that's that's what PlayStation did in the last generation. You know, they might not they might not have won the original console console race, but you know, slowly but surely they actually managed to catch up, and uh, even go beyond the Microsoft console, which, which is I think now uh, it's the opposite side. Now PlayStation coming in all you know, like guns heavy blazing. guns blazing exactly, and now Microsoft is playing that safe, safe care, safe role, waiting in the bushes for the right ambush. Yeah,
0: I think that, or that's a really good point because yeah, or like. I said earlier Xbox had a lot of consumer ground or consumer trust ground to make up. And so I think that they're going to be yeah, they're they're probably going to be taking the safe route. And they've and, or they've said that for the first year or two, I believe, that any game that releases for the Series X Will also have an Xbox One version for it as well, just so that, you know, the people who buy an Xbox One now, you know, don't feel like they've wasted their money because uh, the console will be obsolete in like six months. And so I think Xbox has definitely taken the more pro consumer route, whereas Sony has taken more of the walled garden kind of apple-esque route and so you know just to keep you within the playstation ecosystem and to kind of force you to get a ps5 in order to play some games and so i think that'll be or it'll be interesting to see how microsoft's strategy plays out and if they play their cards right, you know, like you say they may they may come up later in the generation and be and be the top dog again against Sony. Yeah. And so now we can get into one of the biggest unknowns of both consoles really, and that is the price. And so neither Sony nor Microsoft have revealed the price of their consoles. And so so we can just take our educated guesses on what the prices of those consoles are going to be. So for PlayStation, they have the PS5 regular with the optical drive in it, and then they have the ps5 digital edition without the optical drive in it and then on the xbox side of course you already have the xbox series x but then there's a rumor that there's a cheaper version without an optical drive in it that fans are calling the xbox series s but but we don't have an official name for it yet. And so, yeah. and so, what do you think that the prices for each console is going to be?
1: So, looking at the specs, you know, there have been, like, custom AMD processors and GPUs with about 16 gigs of GDR, GDDR6 RAM. That's a lot, you know, like... Uh, and it has about like about 500 uh, 500 gigabytes per second of um, memory bandwidth and about a terabyte of ssd like looking at these these specifications i'd say like the series x would cost about 800 to 1000 really yeah because it this is like a high end gaming pc you know like the and high-end gaming PCs go for about a thousand to fifteen hundred. And I'd say, like for for PS Five, also it's gonna cost around eight hundred to thousand. Uh, and then the the one without the optical drive, it might be a little bit less, about seven hundred, six hundred dollars. That's interesting. I don't
0: I I don't think it would go as high as like eight hundred to a thousand dollars, though it might, but. I think that because, like, Microsoft and Sony can get these parts from, like, AMD and other manufacturers, you know, in bulk, which means that they cost less for those companies. I think that for the PS5, I think we're looking at maybe, like, 600 for... The, for the regular PS5 and then maybe like 550 or 500 for the digital edition. And then as far as Series X goes, since it's more powerful ever so slightly, I think that it would probably be maybe either... About the same price as the PS5 or maybe even more. I would say if it's more, it would probably be like six fifty for six fifty or seven hundred for the series X, and then maybe like five fifty or six hundred for the series S or whatever it yeah. ends up being whatever the cheaper model xbox ends up being called yeah.
1: but one yeah thing I, I think they might try to do like i know xbox one try to do that is sell the console as a service they're gonna make there was a there was a program with xbox that you had to pay like 25 dollars a month and you get xbox game pass you get xbox live and you get an xbox like uh, xbox one x but you have to keep on paying for at least like Two so. years. Yeah, two years. So yeah. they might be they might try to sell it as a service. And if they do that, they might actually uh reduce the price so it gets into people's house and then you know they whatever purchase they make, they make it on there, which basically brings more profit to Microsoft or Sony. So they might try something like that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a good point. Like Microsoft has been doing that with With the Xbox One, like you said, and with their Surface line, they basically allow people to pay monthly for the Xbox and and Game Pass and um, Xbox Live Gold and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think Microsoft may heavily lean into that strategy just because of how expensive excuse me, these consoles are going to end up being. But it's an interesting theory to have because if one does it and one doesn't do it, so if Microsoft does it and Sony doesn't offer a similar plan, then it may, or the lower barrier to entry may push people over to the Microsoft side of the fence and so yeah oh, go ahead
1: I, uh i said i agree and like as long as like they get their product into people's door, they win
0: yeah and honestly i think if they do that that's how i may end up getting an xbox series x because there's no way i'm paying the full price for that <laughs> I know these consoles are gonna be expensive just based on like the specs that they have, all the new technology that they have in it. And so, yeah, I think one thing that they're doing is just Microsoft and Sony are just playing chicken, you know, to, they're waiting on which one will reveal the price first and then the other one has the chance to undercut them. And so I think that's what they're they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. It'll be uh, surprising if uh, Nintendo just comes out of nowhere and just releases their next-gen console. <laughs> I mean,
0: but the Switch is only, like, three years old right yeah. now. And I don't see Nintendo releasing anything anytime soon maybe like maybe sometime next year hopefully we'll get like a switch pro that yeah. output 4k and onto a tv and things like that but i don't think that Nintendo is planning anything at least yet
1: um, they, they struck gold with a uh, switch like those things oh. are rare like 600 700 for one i think last time i checked it's oh yeah it's
0: it's crazy and the pandemic has really depleted the stock of switches so yeah i think that's i think that's going to do it for this topic thank you so much q is there anything like that you want to say you know the uh for our listeners to you
1: know thank you for having me it's been an honor speaking with you you're an intellectual person about this topic you've taught me a lot so so you're welcome so so far um we're actually uh, on the process of making a podcast like a live stream podcast and i'm working with some people that are interested in doing so and you know hopefully uh, we're gonna get something up and as soon as we do, you know, we're going to spread spread the news around, get everybody onto the platform, and, you know, it's going to be fun. I uh, can't wait. I'm super excited about that opportunity. And, yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of us pretty soon.
0: Awesome. I can't wait um, to see what you have cooking up. And, of course, if you want to follow Q or watches streams or anything i will have those linked in the show notes thank you q once again for being on this episode of the cells and circuits podcast really appreciate having you here and i hope you have a good one
1: all right thank you so much for having me on here and i appreciate the time thank you thanks q bye-bye
0: All right. Bye-bye. Up next, we'll be talking about Studio Ghibli's first CG movie. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. Welcome back. And now it's time to start talking about... Studio Ghibli's first CG movie. And so, if you're listening to this pro- podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you know who Studio Ghibli is. They are the studio behind hit movies such as Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, and the list goes on and on and on. And there's such a celebrated studio within the anime space that even your average Joe here in America has probably heard of some Studio Ghibli movies. And so... Studio Ghibli released um, its first images of its very first CG movie that it is animating. And this movie is called Aya and the Witch. And it's quite the departure from the studio's, you know, traditional style. And... You know, all the, all the characters, they kind of look like, well, not gonna lie, they kind of look like dolls, which is not a bad thing. That's certainly something that a lot of Hollywood animated movies or CG animated movies have done, and so I'm not mad at it. I think that if anyone could pull this off. Studio Ghibli probably can. And Aya and the Witch is directed by Goro Miyazaki. So not Hayao Miyazaki, his father, but Goro Miyazaki. And as soon as I mention his name, I know that there are going to be some people who are probably, you know, a bit turned off by that because directed Tales from Earthsea, and that movie wasn't as uh, well-received as Goro's father's work, and so I haven't seen Tales Tales from Earthsea yet. I should, and, you know, it's on HBO Max. If you're in the U.S., it's on Netflix for you international folks, but... Anyway, let's um get into like a brief um a brief examination of Goro Miyazaki's intentions for the film. And so I will read this from a cartoon brew article, which I'll link in the show notes. And so yeah, I'll read his intentions for the film. er, So Goro Miyazaki says, today in our country, only adults are abundant and children are few and far between. It must be tough on our children to have to face all these adults in such small numbers. It was while thinking about this that I encountered I. So I thought, ah, should I go for this? How does Aya deal with these bothersome adults? Please do watch Aya and the Witch to find out. I sincerely hope that our Aya, who we can't help but adore, will bring encouragement to children and cheer to adults. And so, let's kind of dissect that a little bit. So... Today in our, so I'm going to go, you know, start from the beginning. Today in our country, only adults are abundant and children are few and far between. So for those of you who don't know, this speaks to an issue that are in Japan with declining birth rates. And so, you know, with less people being born year over year, they're less children in the populace of Japan. And so there are more adults and a lot of these children have to, you know, face the adults that, you know, outnumber them and, you know, out... Or, well, yeah, outnumber them and, you know, hold a lot of power over them. And so... Yeah, it will be interesting to see what Aya and the Witch does to kind of speak to this issue and sort of um, and talk about it and try and spin it and try and give us like a positive message to come out of it with. So. It'll be pretty interesting to see that. But, yeah, based on the images that I'm seeing from this Cartoon Brew article, these character designs look pretty great. It's kind, of, it, it looks kind of like, or some of them look kind of like clay models. It kind of feels like something that, you know, maybe Leica would animate. That's the studio behind Kubo and the Two Strings, Paranorman, Coraline, and other films too. So it kind of feels a bit like esque in that regard. But yeah, you can see the images for yourself in the Cartoon Brew article. Tell me what you think of them. But Studio Ghibli is... Not a stranger to CG animation, because after all, they did partner with Polygon Pictures, the studio behind Knights of Sidonia, Agene Demihuman, Levius, and, and some other anime. So Studio Ghibli partnered with them on Ronya, the Robber's Daughter, and polygon pictures animated the show but studio ghibli co-produced the show with them so maybe they may have learned some things from polygon pictures along the way that you know they could use in i and the witch and so so that's something that are to consider And I think that Studio Ghibli can pull off CG animation. And we're already starting to see some pretty good-looking CG animation coming out of Japan. There was that Lupin the Third movie, which I haven't seen yet. I would like to see it, but I haven't seen yet. And And then there's some Polygon work like Blame. I think that film looks pretty good. And we're already or we're also seeing some, you know, good CG animated T V shows coming out of Japan, like B Stars. That was a recent one. Like we've seen again, Knights of Sidonia, Ajin, you know, those are pretty good shows or pretty entertaining shows that have come out of Japan and that are CG, and so I think if any studio can pull it off, I think Studio Ghibli can. And who knows, maybe if Studio Ghibli does this right, maybe it may you know change some opinions on CG anime. Um, because And I talked about this in a previous episode, um, but thanks to shows like Berserk 2016, CG anime hasn't really fallen in favor of anime fans, particularly those in the West. So it'll be interesting to see Studio Ghibli's take on CG anime films. But what do you think? Of *I and the Witch. Have you seen the images? What do you think of them? Um, and based on Studio Ghibli's history, what do you think that they could implement um, within the movie that they haven't already done before? Let me know. And of course, I will have links to our social media where you can where we can have the discussion about *I and the Witch and Studio Ghibli in the show notes and yeah, that will do it for this topic Sandra Bland Terrence Crutcher Trayvon Martin Philando Castile Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, Ahmad Arbery, Walter Scott, Brianna Taylor, Eric Harris, George Floyd, Tony Robinson, Keith Childress, Romaine Brisbane, Betty Jones, Tamir Rice, Kevin Matthews Laquan McDonald Michael Noel Michael Brown Jr. Roy Nelson Eric Garner These are just some of the names of people who have been murdered by police and have gotten either a slap on the wrist or have gotten away with committing such a heinous crime scot-free. If you are an American, or even if you're not an American, you should be outraged by this, as I am. This cannot continue to happen, and it speaks to a very long history of racism and police brutality here in the United States of America and also in other countries as well. Police brutality is not a U.S. exclusive problem. It's happening around the globe. So, how can you help stop this? Well, you can go and protest, but be very peaceful about it, of course, and if you don't want to go to the protests, that's fine. You can also donate to many different charities that are helping with the cause. If you can't do that, you can also sign petitions to help the cause as well, and share those petitions, and for all of these suggestions that I've made. You can do all of them and encourage your friends and family to do the same because staying silent is staying complicit and we cannot stay complicit any longer. This change needs to happen now. And so I just want to leave you with this message. Black Lives Matter always and forever. All lives cannot matter until Black Lives Matter. Remember that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and also thank you for staying safe and staying at home. And following the CDC and WHO guidelines also if you have any questions or if you have any comments about the subjects that were talked about in this episode let us know on our social media, we'll have links to that in the show notes thank you for listening once again I am Chibaze Anakor your host, signing off